0: Hello and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm Emma Cantor, Associate Children's Book Editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with authors Kwame Alexander and Mary Rand Hess about their new YA book, Swing. The book is due out October 2nd from Blink which is sponsoring this podcast. Kwame Alexander is a poet, educator, and the author of 28 books, including the Newbery Medal-winning middle-grade novel, The Crossover. Alexander is the co-founding director of the Leap for Ghana Initiative and the founding editor of Versify, an imprint of Houghton Mifflin Harcourt Books for Young Readers. Mary Rantes is a poet, screenwriter, mixed media artist, editor, and author of several books, including Animal Ark and Solo, both of which she co-authored with Kwame Alexander. Their new novel in verse, Swing, is a coming-of-age story about two best friends, Noah and Walt, aka Swing, who set out to discover their true selves over the course of their junior year of high school. Thank you both for speaking with me. Thank you.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Swing marks your third collaboration together. Can you trace back to how you first connected and became writing partners?
1: I want to say we were at a cafe in Leesburg, Virginia. I want to say I had like a grilled cheese with smoked salmon and tomato basil soup and Mary what were you eating?
2: I was probably eating a scone and having a tea.
1: <laughs> we had this this place that we we went to maybe 2 years ago during the summer or 3 years ago during the summer, the summer of 2015. It's called Trinity Cafe and we we were a part of a writing group. There were four of us. Mary myself, Sue and Anne Marie, and we just we all wrote together and we ended up probably talking a lot, writing a lot, listening to each other. And during one of these journeys, uh these days, Mary was sharing with us a novel that she had been working on that was sort of a love letter to rock and roll music. And and I read some of it and really was floored by it and it was set in Hollywood and Kenya. And and I asked Mary, had she ever been to Kenya? And she said no. And and I said, Okay, well you've you've done a pretty cool job and and I think maybe at some point during that summer, um, Emma she she called me and just out of the blue, she was like, By any chance would you be interested in working on this novel with me? And I had been going to Ghana for several years to work on a library project. We were building a library in a village called Ghana. And I had always wanted to write about Ghana, but I'd never known what what that book would look like. And and so I immediately thought, well, maybe this is a chance to, to bring Ghana into the story. And I said, well, I might be interested. Would you be interested in, in, in moving Kenya, uh, the setting of Kenya, to Ghana? And that would give me sort of an authentic place to enter the novel. And she was all for it. And, and I said yes, and she said yes, and, and that was three years ago. And I haven't been able to get rid of her yet as a writing partner.
2: (laughs) I keep coming around (laughs) and it took him a couple weeks to say yes, though. I will say he had me, um, on pins and needles. I was like, he's, he thinks I'm crazy for asking, but, um, I think you actually sent me a text and said, um, so you still want to work on that book together? And so of course I was dancing around my house.
0: (laughs) And Mary, how did the idea for the new book
2: emerge? Well, um, I think as we were working on Solo, we kind of always started talking about the next book here and there, and we knew we wanted it to be about jazz, you know, a kind of a departure from rock and roll since we'd already written the rock and roll novel. Um, So we went away with our writing friends to the River House and had a great retreat. And um, we did a lot of eating. Kwabi will tell you, like, lots of lemon pound cake and shrimp and grits and, and we just did a lot of brainstorming, and we knew we wanted jazz, baseball, historical love letters, and the list goes on.
0: And how would you describe your writing process for SQUING? You know, I think this question gets
2: asked a lot, um, and it's really, <laughs> our, I would say our method is not predictable. It's kind of a method of madness, but it works, and its it's kind of quite magical. We just kind of as we go along the journey of writing our books, scenes unfold and, um, you know, we really work hard on our poems and working on drafts and revising them and we, there's a lot of back and forth, many drafts of poems and art that build upon scene after scene until we get it just right. And we work all over the place. We work in Kwame's studio, um, sometimes we'd work at my house at my dining room table eating Thai food. And a lot of times it's over the phone, email, text, and while he's overseas in Ghana or Singapore, and I'm in my little writing room, but it works.
1: Mary makes it sound so like, like cool and wonderful and like writerly. And certainly it was some of that, um, but it also was kind of messy, you know, um, just trying to figure out how, to meld, to mesh two voices, you know, two very distinct voices. Mary talks kind of soft, but, you know, she's pretty powerful in terms of her voice and as am I. And so trying to figure out how to bring those two voices together. And so I think when we started off, I was working on Rebound um, and and so I, I was sort of trying to figure out how am I going to write two novels at the same time. And I remember that we went away, like she said, to the river house and we sort of plotted out the entire novel. We knew the story. We figured it out. We, I guess you could say we outlined it and then we sort of went, you know, we left that retreat and Mary s- took a stab at sort of making that outline, giving it, you know, breathing it, breathing life into it and and turning it into, you know, a hundred or two hundred pages. And then, you know, you would think from there, okay, we've got our draft. And I and when I say the messy part, Emma, I think and and Mary probably hated me during this time, but I think we ended up scrapping like most of that hundred or two hundred pages and started over. So really in a sense, that that draft became an outline for us to say, well, can this work? And some of it did and some of it didn't. And I think I took a stab at writing like the second draft. And again, some of that worked and some of it didn't. This was a two year process. Um, And I think once we got to a draft where it was workable and we said, okay, we like the frame of it, then it was a matter of, okay, you go write this scene. I'll go write this scene. Okay. We need a poem that's set in a grocery store on a Tuesday. um, And it's got to feature, it's got to feature Noah looking for ice cream. Okay, so I'll write that. Okay, so now we need a poem that's going to have them in Dairy Queen. And so we kind of knew then, and then it was just a matter of putting in the work, um, because we knew the frame, we had a working sort of foundation for it. And it was a lot of brainstorming. And of course, in this book, there's like mixed media art. And once we discovered that was something we wanted to do, you know, Mary is the visual artist of a, of the two of us, and she you know sort of took the helm at that. I am a huge jazz fan, I know Mary's a jazz fan as well, but jazz is like a big part of my family's you know my familial life and history, and so I was able to bring in my love of jazz and some of the songs that i've you know really loved, so yeah, it was fun, it was exciting, it was cool, and it was messy all at the same time.
0: You mentioned a bit about the mixed media format of the book. I'm curious, did you both set out with this hybrid format in mind or did it emerge organically?
1: It's a great question. It definitely emerged organically. Um, We wanted Noah, the main character, um, to sort of discover um, love letters And we wanted him to, to use these love letters as a way to find his cool. And so he begins sort of in a Cyrano type way, he begins leaving these love letters that he finds that were written by someone else to someone else, you know, 50 years prior. He begins to use them, um, leaving them anonymously, um, for a girl that he likes. And this was my initial plan. We're going to leave these love letters And she's going to fall in love with him based on these love letters. And so that evolved into, well, maybe he doesn't leave the love letters. Maybe he takes the love letters and, and modifies them or adapts them. And of course we're writing a novel in verse. So maybe this is a borrowed poem. Well, let's take it a step further. Maybe it's a blackout poem. So maybe he's taking these love letters and he's creating these, these, these blackout love letters that are new but still using the, the words of the original letters. And of course, then it hit me, if I'm, and Mary can jump in, I think it hit me that, wait a minute, we've got to use every aspect of our genius. And I don't, I don't say that to sort of pat ourselves on our back, but we got to use every aspect of our expertise to make this book jump off the page and put it on the stage. Mary is a visual artist. She does mixed media. Maybe there's a way for these blackout love letters these blackout poems to have a different kind of life on the page. And maybe Mary can figure that out.
2: What was really cool is, um, you know, creating the art and these love letters, um, in the character of Noah, I've never done art that way. I've always done art, you know, organically from just my own inspiration, but I was literally, you know, sitting there in my art table thinking like Noah to create these pieces. So that was really interesting and new for me.
0: I also understand, Mary, that you have a background in music composition. Is that right?
2: I do. Well, in college, I um, was offered a scholarship for music composition, and I I loved it. it. It was great. I had auditioned for it, and then I quickly learned that I needed to learn music theory and also needed to learn to read music. I did everything by ear. Um, and with that, I decided, I think my life as a writer is going to be a lot more interesting. So I, I jumped ship and became a writer or decided at that moment I would be a writer because I really loved storytelling. Um, and learning to read music was not easy for me, but music just really does kind of inspire everything I do. I listen to music the whole time I write. Um, and I listen to music when I create art, when I cook. So, music is very much a part of my life, and I think it's just in my soul.
0: And jazz, as you mentioned earlier, plays an important role in the book. What about jazz inspires both of you and your characters?
1: I grew up, you know, with a father who was a Baptist preacher. So, I grew up around a lot of gospel music. Um, I didn't really discover, you know, the joys of you know, um, popular music, Michael Jackson, Prince, until I was in, you know, early high school. And then of course there weren't, we didn't have record players in the house and we didn't listen to the radio. So it was mainly when I was with my friends, when I could listen to music that was not gospel. So jazz was not on my radar. I'd hear my mother singing songs in the kitchen. Um, save the last dance for me. Um, different types of music that I didn't know was jazz per se, but I'd, I'd hear her singing these songs that were soothing, that were, that were, you know, compelling, that were, that were, that made me feel good. And so when I went to college to Virginia Tech, um, I had no relationship per se with jazz music. And I remember coming home sophomore year and being in my attic at home, and discovering these two crates full of records and I looked at the records and there were records like Miles Davis sketches of Spain um, Ella Fitzgerald live in Berlin Nancy Wilson and Cannonball Adderley Ornette Coleman and I was like this is interesting and I started listening to them and like wow like Miles Davis kind of blue John Coltrane love supreme I was loving it and so I I I won't say I stole Emma, but I borrowed these records and took them back to campus, you know, bought a used record player and just began to listen to this music. And my father was not, he, he was a very strict academic. Like he was all about books and literature. And I don't think in my childhood, I ever heard the guy say, I loved you. Like I knew he did, but I never heard it. And I remember being at Virginia Tech listening to these jazz records. I remember girls coming over to my dorm room and loving it and thinking I was kind of (laughs) sophisticated. And I remember looking at the jazz albums and seeing my dad's name at the top of them, which told me a couple things. One, that he owned them. Two, that he bought them. Three, that he liked jazz. Four, that if this guy like I've Got You Under My Skin, so deep in the heart of me, you're really a part of me. If he could listen to this stuff, He must have not been that bad of a guy. Like he must have been a guy who, who, who knew love, who, who, who loved life. And that was really the moment when I fell in love with my dad, when I, when I fell in love with jazz music and it has permeated every aspect of my art ever since.
2: I think, um, for the characters, um, you know, jazz is unpredictable like, like life. And it's all those qualities wrapped into the notes. And I think that it can be an acquired taste for a lot of people. But then once they really acquire it, I think you truly fall in love with the atmosphere it creates. And I think for, you know, Walt and Noah, Walt already loved it. He was, he was jazz. He is jazz. Um, Noah just didn't have it yet. He didn't know what it what it really meant to feel the jazz. And, and Walt introduces him to that whole you know, canon of music and it just opens up Noah's world. And I, for me, I always loved jazz um, to relax and just to really get into kind of a mood. Um, but as we wrote this novel, jazz just, I think it really came alive for me in a new way. You know, I was a, I was a jazz lover before, but I truly am committed now.
0: The title Swing brings to mind baseball as well as jazz. Kwame, having written about basketball in the crossover series, what drew you now to touch on baseball in this book?
1: I think a couple things. One, you know, I've written about basketball and soccer and football. And so it's kind of like, well, hey, you got to do baseball at some point. And I think every, you know, so many kids reminded me of that. Like when I was on tour or doing author visits, when are you going to do a book on baseball? When is that going to happen? And, um, and I like to listen to my readers. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm very much actively involved in, in interacting with kids when I'm visiting schools. I like to hear what they say. Booked, the novel booked came about because it, two fifth graders I met in Bethesda at Washington Episcopal school who took me, who invited, I went to their school to do a visit in the library to talk about the crossover. They invited me to their futsal tournament. I'd never heard of futsal. It was an indoor soccer tournament and they got beat by a, it's five on five. They got beat. Their team got beat by a team of girls. I thought that was really amazing and awesome and, and what a story. They were, they were, they had to shake the girls' hands at the end, of course, and they were crying. I was like, man, there's some drama here. And so, booked got written because of these kids that I, I met at at a, at an elementary school. So I try to listen to kids and see what their interests are, their relationship with the books. And so many kids have asked for a book about baseball. And I thought that since we were going to be dealing with, um, you know this idea of what does it mean to be American, and 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 how do our children relate to this idea of being American? How do we treat them, and and how do we treat each other? It, it seemed like it made sense to 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 talk about sort of the American pastime of baseball.
0: And what do you each hope readers will take away from Swing?
2: I think if we did our job well. I think swing will be that book that makes readers want to take a chance for something good. And I think it's about, you know, finding your own authentic sense of cool and using that authenticity to express your voice, whether it be in art writing music on the baseball field at a protest, giving a speech, I don't know, volunteering, conversing with family and friends. I just think it's important to use your voice and use it for good and maybe, you know, help create that much needed change we need right now.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I think I want readers to have a relationship with jazz music that, that is at the least, at the very least is interesting. And, and maybe at the best is transformative because I know what jazz has done for me. So that would be interesting, you know, especially young readers. I try to make my daughter listen to jazz a lot and some of it she likes and I think listening to jazz allows us to do some of the same things that reading poetry does. It allows us to become more human. Jazz is like the American music. It's, it's American made. And, you know, it's, it represents, you know, democracy in all of its, you know, um, possibilities. When you think about, you know, a jazz band on stage and, and sort of everybody playing together to create this beautiful music, but then recognizing and respecting that everybody has their own sort of genius. So everyone has an opportunity to solo and and taking a step back and letting each person take their moment to shine, being respectful of that, being encouraging, you know, embracing it. And so we are all sort of one People, but we all have sort of, you know, our own individual identities, and we should be able to have opportunities to express and explore that, you know, in a safe place. And so I would like people to, 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 you know, hopefully read Swing and say, you know what? I want to, I want to be better. I want to do better. I want to know better. I want to live better. And, and I want this place that we live in that we love. Um, I want it to be better.
0: Taking a step back from the book, Kwame, what has it been like juggling your roles as an author and founder of the new Versify imprint?
1: Um, it's a different part of my brain. Um, it's, it's a lot more work. It's, I've, I find it really exciting and exhilarating. Um, I, I'm all about helping young people imagine a better world and and I want to be responsible to that audacious task and mission and so to the degree that I can help create other opportunities for authors to, to have their crossover, to have their opportunity to get their books into the world um, I love it um, so on the one hand it's you know I I spent yesterday, I took a train at 6 a.m. from D.C. and up to New York and had meetings from like 10.30 until 4 o'clock back-to-back meetings about Versify with our team. Um, our first books launch in April, April the 2nd. Um, we have four amazing books, Kadir Nelson, Raul Third, Kip Wilson, Lamar Giles, and so, and seeing the covers, and seeing this this work come to life, it's it's so awesome. And then at six o'clock, I spoke at Bank Street College of Education, and I got to see my old friend Jenny Brown, and speaking to the graduate to to the uh, incoming class about you know what are some of the lessons I've learned in in writing and and education and publishing and how it can apply to them. And then getting on a train at nine o'clock and getting home at one 30 and getting in bed at two. And I was exhausted. And so it's, it's, it's a lot more work, but I think to whom much is given much is required. And I, I feel like my mission is to acknowledge that for so long, publishing has been this incredible dinner party and people are having a good time and, there are special guests every now and then who get to come, but for the most part, the dinner party has the same four or five people at the di- at the table, and there are always a couple seats that are empty. I want to bring, I want to fill the table. I want to bring more people to the table and have this dinner party that's just electric, and edifying, and and full of verve, and I and so I'm willing to have those late nights you know, and, uh, and put in that work because I, I feel like the mission is, is that important.
0: To wrap things up, can you each share what you're working on now, other projects? So
2: right now I'm working on a couple picture books and one I'm really, really excited about that, um, is dealing with senior pets and senior pet adoption. Um, and, am um, collaborating with someone who's just has such a passion for it he he has nine nine dogs and a pig and some chickens and um, his name's Steve Gregg, and we're really excited about that and I'm also working on um a couple screenplays, so I'm really loving that process as well and both and all of it's keeping me quite busy
1: I've been trying to figure out the next book in the crossover series. I know that it's gonna feature a girl from one of the previous books she's gonna play tennis. I think I figured out that it's going to take place during the summer. Um, I think that uh, you know I know uh, there's going to be some crossover um, uh, pun intended um, from 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 the from rebound, crossover and booked, so there'll be characters who will sort of come together and and that was an idea from a from a sixth grader. Um, from numerous sixth graders I met over the past couple of years who wanted to see that. And so I think I figured out what that story is. Um, I don't think I'll start writing that just yet. I am really focused on Versify and launching the list and, and sort of doing that work and visiting schools and, um, and trying to figure out, uh, you know, there's some exciting things that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be sharing in the next couple of weeks, um, trying to spread my wings but all i um, really tied to this notion of 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 all books for all kids and and understanding that books can can transform young people as long as we you know make sure that 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 all the books are for all the kids so yeah some good stuff on the horizon Emma
0: Wonderful and is there any possibility of a future collaboration between the two of you Well I always
2: hope so <laughs> I'm always game
1: Yeah, I'm a huge fan of collaboration and, you know, working with Mary is, is just been an incredible delight. Um, she works me really hard, (laughs) but, (laughs) or maybe it's vice versa, but she tolerates me. And I know I'm very like, uh, unconventional. Um, but we have the same mission. We want to change the world. We want to make it better. We want to impact young people in a positive way. So Yeah, I'm sure we'll work together on a screenplay, maybe on another novel, um, you know, maybe just on 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 our friendship. But uh, creatively, I think we're sister and brother. Right, Mary?
0: Absolutely. We are literary siblings. Congratulations to both of you siblings on the new book. And thank you for speaking with me. Thank you Thank so much, you. Emma. I
1: love Kids Cast.
0: Once again, I've been speaking with Kwame Alexander and Mary Rand Hess, whose new book, Swing, is out October 2nd from Blink. Thank you for listening to PW Kids Cast.